This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Then in the gun, 15 seconds to go. The Steelers have a timeout left. Blitz is coming. All here it comes. And a quick pop over the middle. Running free. That's Antonio. 10-5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. you got to be here. Oh, baby. Unbelievable. I've been focused on the guys that we have here working right now. And the same goes for Le'Veon. If anybody got any of those questions. You know, um, the guys that are here working have our attention and focus, and appropriately so. We'll deal with some of the potential of some of those other hypothetical things as they fall at our feet. Asked a question yesterday about whether or not the Steelers had any interest in Patrick Peterson. Um, for those who talk about evasive answers, I thought it was, it put him in a tough spot for this reason. If he mentions the name Patrick Peterson, he is then open to a tampering charge in the Arizona Cardinals and the league. Um, so I thought that the question, while fair, it was unfair to ask it in that forum because he can't, he can't say Patrick Peterson. It's tampering. Anyway, we'll get to that topic momentarily. Time now to answer the trivia question, who holds the all-time NHL record for playoff overtime goals? We've got some great answers. Playoffs. Playoffs, but there's only one right one. And the right one is Joe Sackick of the Colorado Avalanche. Eight overtime goals in the playoffs. And Geno and Oakdale was our first correct caller. Nice going, Gino. You win the $25 gift certificate to the Carlton Restaurant. Guy, this is one of those stories. It's not going to happen, but it's still great to talk about. Should the Steelers pursue Patrick Peterson? I think they should. Um, for various reasons, Stan. I know it's not the way they normally do business. Uh, you know, uh, are they still stung by Levi Brown? Is that why they won't make a trade near the trade deadline? Uh, it, it, there's never a sure thing in anything, but you're looking at a seven-time pro bowler who doesn't become a free agent for a couple of more years, whose contract is affordable, and your first-round picks haven't been that great anyway, if that's in now. We don't know what they're asking, but it's, it's disappointing to me. Brian McFadden, who works for CBS Sports, is his cousin and said yesterday the Steelers have not even entered the talks. They're I mean, you would think you would at least explore that with the struggles that they've had in their secondary, Artie Burns and others in their secondary. Look at the – where would they be had they not picked up Joe Hayden at the end of the uh, preseason last year? Fell into their lap, really. Yeah, he did. And look at the difference when he was hurt this year. I mean, he makes all the difference in the world. You throw some – you still have to face Phillip Rivers. You still have to face Tom Brady. You still have to face Drew Brees this year. Uh, my opinion overall, and it's been kind of a topsy-turvy first part of the season for the Steelers, really is no different than it was in August. I still think those when they have their offense clicking, they'll win, and when they don't, they'll lose because I don't have any faith that they can really, when push comes to shove, stop people, evidenced by the Cincinnati game, only say by the fact they, they scored too quickly. Well, I believe they should make the move for all those reasons – but also this, uh, if you make that trade, you're saying we've given up on Artie Burns. I think they're probably going to come to that conclusion anyway, unless he comes back and finally gets it, because they have to make a decision on picking up his option for a lot of money. 
um, uh, money against the salary cap that they generally do not have. If oh, that goes up by eight hundred thousand every week. Right, it does. I mean, they're going to have some room, but that's why they can afford Peterson. That's why it makes it a right. smart issue. Aside from the obvious benefit of having Patrick Peterson, there are a couple things. Let's go back to August, July. They identified, forget what the Le'Veon Bell thing is, they identified this year as all-in, Super Bowl or bust. Nobody was kidding anybody. Everybody knew. They knew. Super Bowl or bust. If you are in that position and you're, you're not chasing that, an addition like that makes perfect sense. The second element of that is they're not going to re-up Artie Burns. So what's going to be their primary uh, need in the draft next year? Cornerback. Inside linebacker, yeah, but no, not more than cornerback, not in this day and age in the NFL. Now, where are they going to draft? They're going to draft probably somewhere between 22 and 32. All the top corners are gone. And unless you're willing to move way up, you're not getting that guy. And even then, like Eli Apple, he was the 10th overall pick. He's a bust out. Um, the, the guy that the Steelers brought in, that the Browns drafted out of Oklahoma State, that they brought in here, he was drafted eighth overall. Now, there's always going to be mistakes made in the draft, but I know this much. Yeah, you could get a good corner in the in the last part of the first round. You might even get a good one in the second, third. Ike came in the fourth. And, was, and Ike wasn't a ball of fire his first couple years no, either. No, it took him time. He to grow into it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it turns out he wasn't. you didn't have to be a number one pick. But the fact is, if you're looking for a shutdown corner, then you have to draft in the in the top 15 of the draft and maybe not even then depending on how many corners right. are available. So my point is why not why not fill the need now when the window is still open because when Ben retires things are going to change rapidly around here. And according to his cousin who's the one AFC team that's interested, the Patriots. Uh, just, I mean yeah, I the fact that they haven't even explored it at least according to McFadden is the most disturbing part. You don't. I don't know what they're asking. Maybe it's more than a number one pick. Maybe they want a one and a two. Maybe they want a one and, and a current starter at a different position. And maybe that is too much. But to not even talk about it, just because that's not the way you do business. And I'm not arguing with the way they've done business. By and large, I mean, you look back at the era, and I'm old enough to remember when they traded away their top draft picks year after year after year for some stopgap, and they stunk for decades. Uh, I'm not saying you start uh, operating under that philosophy. This just, to me, looks like as much of a slam dunk as ever. Affordable, young, still under contract, already a three-time All-Pro, a seven-time Pro Bowler. I mean, there's no question mark here. And he wants out of there. He would probably come in here and it'd be like a kid on Christmas being in the thick of a, a, of a Super Bowl team. Like, compared Joe, to, like he, Joe Hayden Like was. Joe Hayden. Well, Tim uh, says it seems too easy not to explore. Yeah, we don't know what the asking price is. And by the way, the coach and general manager, I don't know how long the coach is going to be there, said we're not trading him, period. End of the discussion. And that's probably the biggest obstacle in the way. Yeah, but. we don't know, you know, but you wonder what it would take to sweeten the pot. Um, you know, the Steelers, as Ed Bouchette pointed out, uh, they weren't going to trade Martavis Bryant under any circumstances either until you Oakland have to give came the Super Bowl 43 title back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tim says Steelers have an opportunity to make team championship caliber and again get a free pass. If Heinz Field wasn't sold out the next six years, maybe they do something. Pirates get beat up for this uh, for years that's, on this. Right. That's, that's a false equivalence. Number one, this is not a matter 
of money. The Steelers. The biggest thing is they they did say they're not willing to trade him. So right off the so you it's not like just because he says he wants to be traded doesn't mean he's really available. Right. I just want them to explore it. Pick up the phone, Kevin. Call him. Say hey, what's up with this? Well, maybe they they did. Uh, you know, maybe they talked to the agent. You know, you never know. Um, that's a false equivalency there because if you want to talk about the Pirates, Steelers have a salary cap. To, it's not a matter of, the, of actually the expenditure of dollars. They have a salary cap to consider. They also have the, the price of return to consider. With the Pirates going after free agents, it's strictly a matter of money. There, there's no salary cap. There's no restriction. There's no You don't have to you know trade something to sign a free agent. It's just a matter of dollars, and nothing won't do it. This is a totally different circumstance. I would agree that in general, I'm not making this kind of deal. But there are certain circumstances under which I would, and this is it. And the the timing of it. I mean, the, you know, there are people predicting eight and eight seasons right around the corner. I don't know if I go there. Mason Rudolph could turn out to be the third best quarterback or best quarterback in team history when he gets his opportunity. All I know is I've watched a whole string of guys and some pretty good Steeler teams never able to get over that mountaintop between Bradshaw and Roethlisberger. Ben's still at the peak of his game, I think. I don't think he's lost much, maybe a little bit. He was talking this morning, as a matter of fact, about how his knees have been killing him in recent years. And that taking off that weight, he feels better than he has. So the, the, window, the window isn't shut, but it's not open by much. Can they win with the current rotation at cornerback, whether Burns reclaims it or they use Sensible? I think Cam Sutton ought to be the starter there. Can, can they get where they want to go with that rotation? I don't think so. I, I don't. I mean, these next two games are so hugely important because you only got one divisional game left. You lose to Baltimore for a second time. You're probably not going to win a division. You're talking about trying to do it with a wild card. I think it's too too big of a hill to climb. But I just I don't have enough confidence uh, from, from what I've seen in this defense. Okay. Yeah, understandable. Um, I, I do think they, they showed – I thought they played very well against a very good – it's a bad Atlanta team, but a yeah. very good Atlanta offense. And other than the last drive, and I know, you know – other than that, how'd you like to play, Mrs. Lincoln? The last drive is is problematic, but I thought that they held this Bengals down. Uh, you know, pretty good offense. I thought they did a great job against. And them. They didn't play badly uh, defensively against the Browns the first time around. The, the damn fumble that gets returned to the one yard line. You can't blame the defense for for allowing that. I mean, they're holding them to seven. Which, by the way, and we love to laugh and poke fun at the Browns, or whatever. But uh, they have lost three games by a field goal. They play. They play the Saints, four Oakland, and games. Tampa Bay. Four overtime. They are much more competitive, and they're on the verge of being. Don't, don't get too cocky that this is an automatic win this week, even though their their last road win was over three years ago in well, Baltimore. We're going to get the scouting report from Kenny Rhoda. That brings, unfortunately, standing guy to a close for another week. Thank you, sir. I'll see you next Thursday. Back to Thursday next yeah, week. Yeah, we're headed to Philly for a wedding, so I'm glad uh, you were able to move me up a day. Thank okay. you. Okay. Well, congratulations on being married again. Um, <laughs> standing guy brought to you by Shedd That'll Rovich. never happen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you'd be dead. <laughs> the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Back. He throws for the end zone. There's a man wide open. Touchdown, Tyler Boyd on the outcut. And that is a real quick scoring drive to put the Bengals in position to tie this thing up. You know, he's got to keep working. Um, he got to smile in the face of adversity. Uh, young guys in the National Football League go through periods of lulls in play, uh, particularly in the secondary position, particularly at the cornerback position. 
You see it time and time again. Oftentimes they're defined, their careers are defined by how they respond to it. Mike Tomlin yesterday talking about Artie Burns and uh, his uh, travails. We'll talk about it now with Jerry Dulac. Covers the Steelers, of course, for the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Our pregame show begins at 11 a.m. this Sunday. Jerry's brought to us by Hark's Place in Ambridge. Labatt Blues 16-ounce drafts for just a dollar. Wow, a buck during all Penguin games. I bet you they drank a lot of those last night after Sidney scored his goal near midnight. Uh, how you doing, Jer? Stan, I'm fine. <laughs> that is quite a deal, isn't it? One buck, man. Sixteen ounce draft. I mean, that's almost as unbelievable as Crosby's goal last night. That's just incredible. <laughs> uh, that's just uh, we we're just debating with uh, Josh Yowie when Guy was on uh, whether that is his greatest goal ever. Um, it's it's darn close. I can tell you that much. It was just uh, yeah. it was just amazing. Uh, Jerry, um, can the Steelers win? Um, or wind where and get where they want to go with either Artie Burns on the corner or the rotation with the players they have available? Well, you know, Stan, I, I, I think it's difficult when you have a rotation because you'd like to have one person there. But if you're getting three averages, three, three average performances or two out of three average performances, um, I, I, I guess you can. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a deal breaker, um, but ideally, you know, you would like a guy, it'd be one guy there, barring injury, and and they want that guy to be Artie Burns. Artie Burns is the most talented of those guys, but you know, they in year three they're seeing the same problems that they kind of saw last year, uh, you know, and after a really good training camp, or at least you know, just what they see of them, you know, covering. Uh, Antonio Brown all the time, a couple pick sixes, breaking on the ball. But, you know, his, his issues aren't, aren't, aren't physical. And from a talent standpoint, they're mental, um, you know, blowing assignments, um, you know, taking some dumb penalties, the, the pass interference call, letting Alex Erickson get by him for gosh sakes. You know, that, that wasn't exactly A.J. Green running down the field on him and you go, uh-oh, and you grab him. Um, you know, allowing that to happen, you know, the, the touchdown to Tyler Boyd, you know, thinking you have have defensive help when you don't in that situation, you just don't, and it's completely blowing that play. Uh, those are the kinds of things that that are maddening to uh, to the coaches, and that's what those are the things that keep happening. You know, whether it's whether it's understanding what you're doing, focus on what you're doing, but those are his issues. They're not. They're. It's not a talent issue with this guy. And and he would he's the guy they want to see be out there, and that's why I think they're going to continue to fight through it as best they can until it becomes, you know, uh, you know, unsolvable. And I, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think they're going to live with some of those mistakes and hope the other guys, you know, can fill some gaps in the meantime until you know Artie's lost confidence. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And um, I think they're hoping that uh, he he gets that back. You know. Well, no, there's a, a school of thought because he is talented individually um, and his mistakes seem to be mental. I, I, I gather that he um, sometimes doesn't know what coverages they're supposed to be in or what his responsibility is. You know, the one play he thought he was supposed to get help, he, he wasn't going to get any. Um, there's a school of thought. Why not let him just play man-to-man like Joe Hayden's been doing? That seems to be his best skill. 
Yeah, and that's and that's basically what he did in college, Dan. And um, I I don't know that it's that simple, but when he has played man coverage, for example, when he comes up on the line of scrimmage to play uh, Tyreek Hill in bump coverage, man on man, he doesn't even bump him. I mean, he just he I don't know. Does he think he's going to run with Tyreek Hill? If you're going to come up and play press coverage on Tyreek Hill, then you better disrupt his route. You better try and get your hands on him. Uh, you know, after that one-yard area, do something to make him, uh, you know, uh, you know, alter his route. And he doesn't do that. He's just going to try and run with him. And he got burned on the play, if you recall. So, I, I mean, again, you could put him in man coverage. And, and, again, the mental mistakes occur. And I'm not saying that's not the solution. Um, but but even even in those situations, um, that's what has happened. Now, that has I don't want to sit here and say that happens every time. But it does happen, and and so uh, that's just another example. Whether it's whether it's man press man or zone, those those things those mistakes that shouldn't be occurring are occurring, and worse than repeatedly occurring. This is what happened last year. With this is what has held him back from being the guy that they hoping he could be, and the guy that they see in training camp and and, and in practice. Think you know thinking that's okay. He, that's our guy, and it just hasn't translated to the games. We had a brief conversation about uh, this yesterday with uh, Dale and, and you and I before you guys went on the air and before I did as well. Um, I'm of the opinion that at least until Burns gets it back, if he ever does, well, I don't get it back if he ever had it, um, if, if he becomes more reliable, let's put it that way, that the best option there is Cam Sutton. But right. does Sutton's availability really depend on the – health of Morgan Burnett, because that's the role that Sutton has been filling in Burnett's absence. Yeah, Cam Sutton was playing that dime back, you know, which becomes like the linebacker role, and that's not exactly where they want him to be playing, but they have him on the field uh, because he, he is very athletic. Stan, he made a tremendous interception on Monday, and I know it's practice, but you saw the athleticism in the guy going up backward and, and, and uh, elevating and picking off the ball. Um, uh, having Morgan Burnett back there, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to solve all their problems because their problems haven't been that great. When you look at what goes on around the National Football League week in and week out, lots of teams are being attacked through the air. And the Steelers, while they've given up, I think, 10 passes, eight for sure, maybe 10 passes of 30-plus yards, their, their big play passes, the 40- and 50-yarders, the big play runs, you know, the 20-plus-yard runs, those are all down, and that's a result of, you know, when backs get to the second tier, or in this case, the third tier, they're getting those guys on the ground. So, so from that standpoint, they've been solid. But having Morgan Burnett back and being that, that, that dime backer, you know, playing that linebacker role in sub-packages, and then having Terrell Edmonds uh, uh, be the uh, strong safety, that's kind of what they've been missing. That's what they've been hoping for, and that's what they've been missing. And then, then that, of course, allows uh, Cam Sutton to even maybe play a little nickel, maybe uh, out there on the corner, you know, um, uh, giving them different looks. Uh, so they, they, what they like about Cody Sensabaugh is they think he's a good cover corner. Um, you know, this guy has a, has a decent pedigree in the National Football League. Don't forget he was signed to that uh, big free, free agent contract just a couple years ago. Uh, and while he might have been overpaid, as some guys tend to be, it still is reflective of what teams thought about him. So um, 
Yeah, I, I think having Morgan Burnett back solves a lot of um, helps to solve uh, whatever issues they might have, and the biggest ones are in sub package. And it would it would certainly. I'm in agreement with you. I think Cam Sutton is the best alternative out there on the corner. Jerry, the Patrick Peterson situation, if indeed there is one, we are not privy to what they're asking for. But our, I mean, it seems like a really good fit for them for any number of reasons. Um, I've outlined mine. I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, it's not something I would do every year. Uh, you don't want to go back to what the Steelers did in the 50s and 60s, but um, if you're all in, then this could be a valuable piece. Are they just standing on principle, meaning we don't do business that way? We just don't do it. Yeah, I think the business being is that the Dan Rooney always believed this, and that was you don't trade away future number one picks. And I don't think there's any question his son adheres to the same philosophy. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, you're moving up and down in the draft and trading a num- one number pick, number one pick for another. Um, that's just something that they don't do. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, Stan. I mean, Patrick Peterson's not only a great fit here, he's a great fit a lot of places. He's a tremendous uh, a football player. Um, and it would make a lot of sense here. Um, but we just don't see the Steelers, not only with the number one picks, you just don't see them go all in on, on a deal like that. They, they just don't do that. They don't play to win now. I'll give you a perfect example, Stan. Most recently, uh, this draft. When they drafted Mason Rudolph, we heard Kevin Colbert. And this is a Super Bowl team that was, to me, one player away, that's an inside linebacker, from, from you know, making a really solid case, um, you know, to, to challenge again. And I still think they, they can. I still think they will. But that was the, the biggest weakness. And they didn't even address that in the draft. And they signed an average player in free agency. But in the draft, when they took Mason Rudolph, Kevin Colbert says, look, we don't, we're not just drafting for now. We're drafting for the future. We're drafting for the future stability uh, of this franchise. And, and so the idea that they're going to go all in, that they're missing out on one player, um, and he's going to make the difference, they, they, just, they, just don't, they just don't operate that way. And so I don't see, uh, I don't see them doing it again now. If they could get a number, trade a number two pick and maybe a player for Patrick Peterson, maybe that's a little different story. But in terms of, of terms of doing what Dallas did or what the Bears did for Khalil Mack or anything like that, that's, that's just they just don't do business that way. Is that good enough? Um, adding in, like you mentioned, you set up the scenario. Um, it's no secret they're all in on 2018. I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust. Uh, I mean, I, and that's their thinking too. With this opportunity, given the uh, to win a Super Bowl, given the fact that this guy's not a rental, he'd be around here. They have cap space. Uh, I think it's pretty unlikely, unless Burns turns around, that they're going to uh, pick up his option. If you were ever going to do it, would this be the time? Well, Stan, I couldn't agree with you more from a philosophical standpoint, and and I'm I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I would think the same way, but I understand what they do, and it's hard to argue with the way they do business. As I tell everybody, no team in the league has more Super Bowl trophies 
than this team. I'll point, you know, the New England Patriots in the last decade and a half, yeah, they've been the most dominant franchise. But in that same period, the second most dominant franchise has been the Steelers. So it's kind of hard to argue with the way they do business, and that's just the way uh, uh, they believe. I mean, look at the way New England does business. They do it so counter to a lot of teams. They let, uh, with the exception of Tom Brady and Gronk, who, who obviously carry that franchise, with the exception of them, they trade away their best players. They let guys walk in free agency. The Steelers don't do that. They retain their best players. They've given every guy in that offensive line a second contract. New England, Bill Belichick let Nate Solder and, and, and the guard go, Logan Mankins, and the other day. They just let him walk, and he brings in other players and, and, and fills the gaps, and, and, and he gets away with it. So, you know, they're not going all in either. They're going the complete opposite way sometimes, yet they continue to win. And so, um, you know, and these are the two most successful franchises uh, in the NFL and, and have been for a long, long time. Certainly the Steelers going back to the 70s for the most part. Again, six Super Bowl trophies, nobody has more. That's the way I look at it when you look at the big picture, and that's the way the Steelers look at it. And, and yeah, you can go all in, and, and I'm with you there. I'm with you with a guy like Patrick Peterson. But I will tell you the one other thing the Steelers believe, Stan, the Steelers don't believe a cornerback makes a difference in a defense. They, uh, I, I don't want to say that's why they haven't committed to one over all the years, um, but they believe a strong pass rush makes their secondary better, and they're, uh, that's why they're just not going to go all in on a corner. They would rather go all in on an outside linebacker before they would go all in uh, on a cornerback. Well, as I said, where they draft generally, you're not going to get that shutdown corner. That's, that's exactly you're, right. You're not, you're not getting them. That's why I say if you got a chance to get one, get one now. That begs you know, the, the, I, that begs let, the, that begs the final say, question. Let, Go ahead. Let me say something real quick, if I can. I was asked last week in a chat, a guy brought up the point. He, he said, how, do, when you look at the draft history of the Steelers, how many of uh, Mike Tomlin and, and Kevin Colbert, but with Mike Tomlin, how many cornerbacks that they have drafted have received a second contract. And you know the answer to that? One, William Gay. And I could list about that. I went back and I looked. I, I, I want to say conservatively, I don't have the numbers in front of me, there were probably 12 or so corners that he has drafted, maybe even 15. You know, the, the Kresden Butlers of the world and everybody <laughs> else. The only one to get a second contract, William Gay. Mm. They offer that one. Says, that says something about drafting corners yep. under Mike Tomlin. Yeah, they 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 made an offer to Keenan Lewis, but he he declined and and right. went well, on again, to New Orleans. Only one, right? Only one has been signed to a second contract. Last thing for you, Jer. I uh, got about thirty seconds here. So then, the obvious question becomes: whether it's already Burns, whether it's consortium uh, on that opposite corner from Hayden. Um, I thought they played really well against Atlanta, and I, despite the last drive against the Bengals, I thought they did a good job holding that team to two touchdowns for three and seven-eighths quarters. Um, do you see, A, this defense getting better, and is it good enough to get to where they want to go? Well, I don't think there's any question about that, Stan, because you can see in today's NFL, it's not about how good your defense is. It's about how good your offense is. I believe if you just have a, a solid, opportunistic defense, you know, a timely defense that gets off the field, on the right time, as long as you have the offense that can get the ball in its hands with the last possession, uh, uh, that's what you need. But when you hold um, when you hold Julio Jones without a catch till the fourth quarter, and you keep AJ Green to uh, no catch longer than 23 yards, 
to me, you know, that's kind of winning football. That's what you want to do, and you hope you, hope you hold the other guys. Uh, you know, you don't let them hurt you. And that's what they've done uh, uh, the last couple games. And I think it's been a big reason why, they, why they've won the games, no question. All right, Jer, great stuff. As always, we'll be listening at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings and watching and reading your articles on the PG. Uh, appreciate it, Jer. Thanks very much. All right, Stan. It's always good chatting with you, as you know. All right, Jer. Thanks very much. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. A couple thoughts on Patrick Peterson here. And, again, I know we're talking about it, um, and it's not going to happen, most likely. I just don't think it should be dismissed standing on, well, we don't do that. Sometimes it's not a bad idea to examine what you do and what you've done doesn't mean you have to abandon your philosophy. It means you're just tweaking it for a special circumstance. This might be one of them. Bryant tweets and says, Peterson would help, son, but you still have slow linebackers covering tight ends and running backs. It's not worth wasting the pick when it won't solve the problems. Well, I mean, inside linebacker would still be an issue. However, however, it would be easier to find an inside linebacker with your number one pick next year, then it would be a cornerback. Now, this year, there were no inside linebackers available. But it's more likely you're going to find a top-flight inside linebacker drafting, let's say, 25-27, or dare we say, 31st or 32nd, than you would a cornerback. They're just not there. That means you can't find a good cornerback no matter of percentages. I don't think that would be wasting a pick. And you get the guy for the next two years, and something else that I've brought up and I think should be mentioned, Joe Hayden has one more year in his contract. And he makes a ton. So you're going to be in the market for a cornerback because he's going to be in his early 30s. Are you looking to re-up him? Probably not. And what they have available, not going to make it. And if they really thought that highly of Artie Burns in the first place, they wouldn't be thinking about, uh, I keep saying Adrian Peterson, Patrick Peterson, if they're thinking at all. John tweets, I'd like to see the Steelers get Peterson, but can they fit him under the cap next season? The cap hits for A.B., Hayward, DeCastro, and two would go up by a combined 35 mil next year. Well, you won't have Le'Veon Bell to worry about. And as far as cap issues are concerned, there are a couple things. They always seem to find a way. Players change. You rework contracts. The cap goes up. If they wanted them badly enough, they'd find a way. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio.